0: December 16. A teacher iced. Mr. Harvey Talley, head teacher of St. Icklebricks Primary School and a man who foolhardily refused to call a snow day at Christmas time, even when such a thing is vanishingly rare these days, killed by an equally unlikely icicle dropping on his head. The announcement of his death at assembly having to be accompanied with an explanation for the climate change generation of what an icicle actually is. <laughs> hey, Deadvent Calendar A Merry Murder Mystery in 24 Crimes. Written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington.
1: The odd thing about the traditional murder mystery, I said as Shiloh and I walked through Bunhill Field Cemetery, is that they assume that anyone could be a suspect. Country houses full of the homicidal... Whole villages full of psychopaths, I've been to the country, said Shino, and that's not inaccurate. The path through the cemetery is narrow, bounded on both sides by iron railings. We had passed the memorials to Bunyan, Defoe, and Blake, and were now surrounded on both sides by graves, skulls and mournful angels, names long lost to memory and rain, ragged lines of leaning, crumbling gravestones stretched away under the black, dripping trees. It's a darkly romantic place. But it was not doing much for my equanimity. What it means is, I said, there simply aren't that many murderers. I, for one, rather suspect that I'm not. Krampus, said Shiloh, thinks otherwise. Well, that's your fault, I said. But that's also my point. The card said, do this and Krampus will ensure Father Christmas brings you what you want. Well, I don't want to do it. I mean, I'm beginning to suspect that I don't want to be a murderer. I don't think I'm cut out for it. I'm more of a not-murdery sort of chap, really. But if you don't do it, said Shiloh, you don't get whatever Father Christmas was going to put in your stocking. Given that in this case it was going to be your head, I said, I feel that's a win-win. I'm serious. It seems pretty straightforward. I don't do what I'm asked... And someone else lives. Someone else is relieved of their murder. And I don't get my wish. I don't deliver the tinsel. You don't get killed. And you end up on Krampus' list instead of Father Christmas's, said Shiloh. Remember what happens to people who are bad at Christmas time. I have to admit, I hadn't thought of that. The gravestones seemed awfully close. We are dealing with a mind that is not only homicidal, but monomaniacal, said Shiloh. Krampus has a list and he has checked it twice. He has planned it to the minutest degree. A death for every day of Christmas. He will not stand to have his pattern altered. Someone will still die on the allotted day. It may even be you. We were on our way to Clerkenwell. After our adventures in filmmaking the previous day, Shiloh wanted to have a look at the scene of the crime. At the scene of what might be a crime. The scene that I would very much rather not be a crime frankly. We walked on under the shadow of the Barbican Centre and past the Smithfield Meat Market where the smell of blood was entirely too present, and then up through the narrow Farringdon streets to St John's Square. I've always found it odd that so many people make such a fuss about the Knights Templar, centuries gone, traduced and disbanded by the indebted crowned heads of Europe, when there is an order of Crusader Knights who still have a headquarters in the middle of London. Of course, the Order of St John are no longer quite the puissant hospitallers protecting pilgrims on their way to the holy city. These days they're more likely to be bandaging a sprain and a village fate, but they still have a castle in London. Well, more of a gatehouse. And it was a pub for a bit. And a coffee house, run by Hogarth's father. But once the Victorians got their hands on it, they were determined that it ought to look like what they thought a medieval priory should look like. And there it is, all greystone and mullions and battlements, Tucked down the end of a cobbled square, hidden by trees. A sudden and unexpected bit of history, just off the Clerkenwell Road. We came up through the narrow, passing alley that threads between high, weather-stained walls. The name is supposed to be a Victorian euphemism, and it certainly smelt of urine. And turned out into St John's Lane, right in front of the gate. I've always been rather fond of it, unlooked for as it is. But on this dreary December day, it looked properly grim, The dark Middle Ages, full of brimstone, absolute power and sudden violent justice. There's a broad arch and a passage through the building, so you can walk from the lane into the square beyond. Someone had put a small Christmas tree in the passage. It was quite covered in lights, so that the glow lit the vaulted ceiling, making a sudden golden room in the middle of the street, all glowing and twinkling. It ought to have been a delightful sight. But what had caught my attention were the swags of tinsel, Hanging down across either end of the archway. They hung low, and at the lowest point of the curve the tinsel was looped into a circle with a little star in the centre of it, or, as I saw it, into a noose, just brushing the top of your head as you passed underneath. The same thought had evidently occurred to Shiloh, as he pulled a tape measure out of his pocket and measured the distance from the star in the loop to the pavement. Well, I think we've found our victim. "'said Shiloh, letting the tape whip back into the casing. "'This can only be a death trap intended for Sultan Kizen, "'the world's tallest living man. "'A trap that would also rely on him "'being not just the world's tallest man, "'but the world's stupidest,' I said, "'given that it would depend on him "'voluntarily putting his head into a noose of tinsel "'and hanging himself with it. "'This can't be it.' "'But it undoubtedly is,' said Shiloh, "'stepping back and looking up at the front of the gate.' They hang banners across the front of this gate often, I see. The non-sequitur caught my attention, and I looked up in the direction he was looking. There were large metal eyelets let into the stonework of the gate all the way up. The tinsel was hung at either end from wires that ran the height of the building through those eyelets and then up over the battlements, obviously secured somewhere on the roof above. This is undoubtedly the murder weapon, said Shiloh cheerfully. Consider the facts. Krampus has commanded you to deliver tinsel strong enough to hang someone with. And here is tinsel. But there is tinsel everywhere. It's Christmas after all. So Krampus has also chosen this particular piece of tinsel. But why? Because it's not enough to have the means of murder. One must also have the victim. So Krampus knows that the intended victim uses St John's Gate regularly, walking or cycling through. So he or she knows that the victim will have seen this tinsel often, be quite used to it, pass below it utterly unwittingly, over and over again, and then one day, sometime on or after the 20th of December, they are strolling through the gate when that tinsel, they now barely even register, drops suddenly around their head and just as suddenly tightens again, lifting them up as high as Sultan Kizen, and hanging them here under the arch of St John's Priory. But that would mean, I said, I have been suspecting it for some time, said Shiloh. Too many of these deaths have required timing and precision, an individual on the scene, and I suspect that that individual is Krampus himself. They wouldn't trust anyone else with it. So, if we know where and when this murder will take place, I said, we know where and when Krampus will be. And we know where and when we can catch them, said Shiloh. And save the victim, I said, whoever that poor soul might be. Oh, for crying out loud, I can't even get a moment's peace on my walk to work. We turned to discover Inspector Street standing under the arch, looking at us in disgust. Right, she said, I am extending my ban from my police station and my local pub To all of Clerkenwell, Farringdon and Smithfield. Understood? You two will be the death of me. Oh, I sincerely hope not, said Shiloh as she stalked past, pointedly ignoring him. I rather hope we'll be quite the opposite.
0: You have been listening to Deadvent Calendar. Written by Tobias Sturt from an original idea by Tobias Sturt and Rowan Davis. The story is read by John Millington and I read the murders. The music is The Slay by The Sportsman and by Mitch Miller and his orchestra and chorus, both from the Internet Archive. If you enjoyed this podcast, please spread the word and even rate and review it if you can. You can find more on Soundcloud, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher, and on our website at ruritania.co.uk stories. And tune in next episode to open another fatal window in our dead vent calendar.